This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Ladies and gentlemen, Billy Hallowell and Chris Field, the church boys. From the sublime to the ridiculous, but mostly ridiculous. I hate these guys. So it's been an interesting week. A very, very interesting week for the church boys. Um, so interesting. So interesting. We have tales of illness and um, ill health and um, nimrodery. <laughs> People unable to make train, train reservations. Should we just start okay, and explain so, it? Yeah, let's... Okay, so we're, we're going to lay this out for you because... We usually record on um, Fridays. Usually we record on Fridays, and then we put this out there for people, uh, you know, over the weekend on Saturday nights usually. And and now it's it's actually Sunday afternoon, Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, all you mothers. Um, that's the one. That's you're the so, one. You're so nice. That's the one they. That's the one they get. That's the. That's me being gracious and you know generous and wishing all the ladies, all the mothers out there, a happy Mother's Day. So that's it. That's all you get. Uh, anyway, so we are recording here on a Sunday afternoon, and there's a reason for that. Um, you're going to say their excuses, but we'll say their reasons. And part of it is, my daughter decided when my my eldest child, she's seven, decided she'd come home from uh, school and uh, have the stomach flu. Are you taking pictures? Is that what you're doing right now? See, I'm no, not wearing you know a hat. Doing? I actually just started a live Periscope. <laughs> Of our great show. So are you so gonna, we're going to air are, segments of our show. To all the right. Public. Well, that could that could be interesting. I've never done the Periscope thing. I know that there have been. Uh, John Seidel is uh, expecting, not him. Well, his wife is, and um, we're encouraging him to Periscope the delivery. Can we talk about this for a bit? There are already seven people watching this Periscope. No way. People. Nice. Hello, Billy. Hello, Billy and Chris. Hey. Hello, peeps. <laughs> Are these your fans? I mean, who's who's this Periscope connected to Twitter in some way? How did you get people to start watching this Periscope thing you're doing? It is it is connected to Twitter. So right. if you are you know using Twitter, you can then use Periscope, and it's cool because you're live oh, feeding cool. whatever whatever you want to live feed. And now people are joining. We've got ten people. What? That's, yeah, that's eleven. Like a record. Whoa! Well, hello, you peeps. It's like a live show. 13. Oh, listen. So we, as we are recording the church boys, we thought it'd be fun to start periscoping pieces of it. So you're getting a little cool. behind the scenes. All right, there you go. So there if you, you want go. to do that, find Billy on the periscopey thingy, my bobber. And, um, you're so elderly. I know this damn box of wires. What's this thing here on my desk? Um, anyway, so what I was going to say, it's mother's day and I won't again wish a happy mother's day, but, uh, we got a late, late start. My my seven year old, my eldest child, she decided she'd come from home from school with the stomach flu uh, Wednesday night. So like at, from about eight thirty p.m. till about five thirty a.m. on Thursday, she was puking a minimum of once an hour, minimum. Oh, oh it was awful and rancid, rancid. It was terrible. <laughs> Are you one of those people who? Somebody throws up and then just the smell inside of it makes you want to throw up? No, no, I'm not. I don't, I'm not, um, I don't have a weak stomach. I'll, I mean, there's, there are very few things that really bother me, but my wife, oh man, we had, and my daughter, God bless her. She was trying and trying to get, there's uh, upstairs where she and my other two sleep. 
there's several bedrooms and there's a bathroom all the way at the opposite end of the hallway from her room. So it's a long, she can't get any further away from the upstairs bathroom than she is upstairs. <clears throat> and she tried and tried and you could tell she tried cause it was, I mean, it was everywhere, but it was from the outside of her room and the floor and the, and we had the floors recently carpeted up there. Just huge, just blotches of puke all the oh, way down the hallway and then kid. everywhere in the bathroom. So my wife's scrubbing the carpet and I'm cleaning up all the tile because she, it's a huge bathroom and she everywhere, all over the tile, the sink, the toilet. There's a little step stool thing for my son to be able to use the sink. <clears throat> it was all over that. It was all over the kit. Somehow the cabinetry behind her was covered in puke. It was oh just, <laughs> it was everywhere. It's not funny. It's terrible. It is terrible. So anyway, so, you know, Thursday rolls around and she's feeling a lot better in the middle of the day. She stayed home from school and <clears throat> just kind of relaxed and stuff and chilled out. And we thought, you know what? Nobody else is feeling this, so we're good. And then my wife Saturday morning, because we thought, okay, we didn't we didn't record Thursday, which was going to kind of be our emergency day, but it didn't work out. And then Friday, Billy can get into that. And then Saturday we were going to record. Well, then my wife gets it. So apparently our family is going to have it about every three days. And we're going to stretch it out with five of us, stretch it out to 12, 15 days worth of flu in our house. I'm, I'm guessing, I'm guessing... Awful. I'm guessing that tonight at about three o'clock in the morning, I guess it'd be tomorrow morning, about three o'clock in the morning, either I or my son are going to come down with it. So I don't I feel, I don't not. feel it right Although now. I hope not also. It for a segment, you, not your son, if you get it, Periscope this it. should be a segment or a transition. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, it was a show, as the sports junkies would say. It's uh, It was nasty. So anyway, that's part of one of our excuses for not. But the funnier excuse, reason, whatever, for our not getting around to doing this till uh, Mother's Day. It, it comes from our own um, Billy uh, McPooper Hollowell. I I have a history of <laughs> being on the wrong uh, train or thinking that I'm on the wrong train. Are you not just, just a ho- are, are you like a homeless airplane. person? You just kind of wander on the <laughs> wander <laughs> on the platform, train platform. Well, last time this happened a year or two ago, I was flying somewhere, and I think my the flight number was 1103, and there was an 1104, and they were both going to New York. And I thought I was on the 1103, but I was really on the 1104, and it left. And I was waiting for the 1103, and they wouldn't let me board because they're like, your plane left like 45 minutes ago. <laughs> plane left, dummy. <laughs> and so I have this history of this. So this time, I apparently told the people booking my trip to book it at 7.20, and there was no 7.20, and it was the next day. They had booked it the next day. I thought I was getting it that night, so I show up to the Union Station. Yeah, but wait, wait, wait. It wasn't their fault. You told me you t- you sent them a screenshot well, of the ticket you wanted. Well, I did. So here's Which the was thing. for the I next said, day. I want to come back today at this time, but I had accidentally chosen a time the next day. And so it was like a comedy of errors. And so nobody like second-guessed it, and... But luckily, the wonderful people at Union Station oh, booked me on a, a train that was a second train that was actually leaving as I was running like a maniac towards it. And the third train they booked me on actually got me home eventually, very late. And Union, and you had the joy of going through this at Union Station. Yes. Now those was, of you, it was lovely. Those of you around the country who have never used Union Station, lucky you. Uh, Union Station is a beautiful place to visit if you go to D.C. And I think, listen, I think everybody should visit the Capitol. I think everybody should visit Washington, D.C. It's a good thing to do as an American. A lot of history there. I think it's great. And you should visit Union Station. But if you have to rely on Union Station for your travel, you are S.O.L. It is mostly a nightmare. <laughs> and I don't know if it's I mean, because... I'm I don't know if it's, I got home. I don't know if it's because of logistics there 
or if it's because of the idiots running the place. I'm not sure, but that place is nuts. But it's it, a good place for lunch. It was an experience. Yeah. It was an experience. But I made it back to New York at like in the middle of the night. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. So there yeah. you go. And we were talking about actually recording when Billy got <laughs> home. And so he was planning. <laughs> we were planning all, all Saturday afternoon. We're talking. Or Friday afternoon. Okay, we'll just record when I get home. It'll be a little bit late. But, you know, and then <laughs> I get it. I get an update from him. So we still plan on doing it at such and such a time. He said, yeah, that's going to have to change. I had was a, even I had, a train, I had a train fiasco. <laughs> And, it, and I did. And it made me so happy. Well, it was better than the airplane one. That one was really horrible. So how did you get, how did you, why have you had this pattern of bad travel experiences where where it's your fault, where you get on the wrong plane or on the it's wrong actually, train? It actually started after I met you. <laughs> so I'm assuming it's some sort of Something bad Something gets robbed off. So, you know, we should probably, people are waiting at the, you know, they're chomping at the bit for us to get into some stories. What did you want to talk about first? Uh, you like that transition? That was a nice Walsh transition. Jared Wilson. <laughs> What's that? Now I didn't even listen to you. I rambled <laughs> over you. Matt Walsh and Jared Wilson. Oh yes. Um, the dramatic throwdown. Oh, that was fun, wasn't it? Boys. I enjoyed that. Now, if you I haven't heard too. it, go to thechurchboys.com. You'll find it there, or you'll find it on our Facebook page and uh, facebook.com/churchboys. And you know, and we've actually it's it's on the theblaze.com as well. Obviously, we want you to go there and check it out. <clears throat> Before we talk about that. Did you listen to the thing Opalka did? Oh, yeah, well, the t- the thing about you and I fighting because you're a fool? Yeah, <laughs> I did. What? Because I'm a fool. You know, if you did if you missed it, Chris and I had an appearance. Really I was supposed to be appearing on No. The, no. The uh, yeah, P- impure Opalka or pure Opalka <laughs> or unpure Opalka. And um I Stole Chris's thunder and Chris stole it back. That's that's the that's the summary. So Opalka, yeah, Opalka had us on to talk about the uh, the the Jared Wilson Matt Walsh throwdown, which we're going to get into in here in just a second. But Matt, we're had good a, actors though. We really pretended it was great. to hate each other. Yeah, you were pretending. Well, no, oh. but you were. I would hope. <laughs> the things I <laughs> the things I said about you. So you should call Mike. No, we won't call Mike. He's probably enjoying a nice Mother's Day. He's of a bit of a mother himself. So, uh, the Jared Walsh, what did you want to talk to people about? About it? I mean, hasn't everybody listened to it already? Well, if they haven't. If okay, they tell haven't. them. Okay. Oh, I, here's and, the thing. And I think, I think we need to do more of it. We need uh, to do more of these throwdowns. I, I agree. I think we should do more. Actually, I think that be, I'm interested I'm interested because you and I talked a little bit about it <laughs> after we had published the or posted the, the debate. What was your take on I want to know your take on it and kind of. Not necessarily who you felt won, because I don't think it was one of those kind of debates, like who won or not won. I thought both sides did. I like thought Jared, who wore a best? Yeah. Who wore a best? Matt Walsh or Jared Wilson? <laughs> I thought Jared and Matt both made great points, and I thought it was very interesting. Um, I know where I stood as far as what I agree with. But what did you think of the debate? I thought that the summary, and I and I kept, as I was facilitating it, saying this, is that one person was ultra-concerned about the grander societal issue and what Bruce Jenner was conveying through that. And, and that was the Matt's, media was conveying through that. And that was and Matt's point. Matt. Right. And then the other person was hyper concerned with the way that the message would be received by, you know, that, that would be re- received by not just Bruce Jenner, but others who were transgender and, and about the tone. And I, so I thought both of them made really valid points. And I think right. the truth is in the middle of both of what they're saying. Right. Well, and I, I think the truth is, 
Well, they're both truthful. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I don't know that the truth is even between them because they're, I think, presenting two different arguments. I mean, Matt, Matt was willing to go to Jared's side of the argument and say, okay, so how should we discuss these things? Now, you know, Matt and Jared didn't quite agree on how you discuss them. Um, but then they took the debate because the debate, there was two different debates. There was tone and then there was substance. And Matt's yes. like, the substance is important and the substance sets the tone because I don't think we can ignore the substance in order to appear more loving because he didn't feel like it was loving to not share with people what the truth is about transgenderism and all the other Bruce Jenner related stuff. Right. Yeah. His critique was, you know, Jared, you didn't really give a stance in your right. piece, which he didn't. I think that piece and, and you know, and I can't speak for Jared. Part of that is, you know, he's responding to Matt Walsh and he's responding to the tone Yeah. that. So and it's hard, whereas Matt Walsh was writing about the issue itself. So right. it gets tricky. But and I know I saw some critiques on Twitter because it actually did. It was getting a lot of, dis, you know, a lot of discussion yeah. on social People were chatting about it. You know, you know, I wish they would have included a gay person to have this argument or a transgender person. And that really wasn't the point of right. the debate. The point right. of the debate was to talk about these two people who really are generally on a, on the same side, let's say, or are perceived to be and, and who have different ways of handling the issue. Right. And they, they apparently, I mean, from what they both said, I take that they both would agree theologically on the transgender issue. Yeah. Don't you don't you think? Isn't that what you took away from what Jared said? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that that is he said God doesn't make mistakes. Yeah, ab absolutely. I, I thought it was so where I you know, where I felt was I listen, I, I, I it's no surprise. I agree with Matt Walsh on what he wrote. I think the facts and the theology that he used and the reasoning that he used was right on. Uh, you and I had difference of opinion on as far as his tone went. I didn't feel like his tone was a problem. I did. I didn't like the headline. You know, I thought that that was a little brash, but. To each his own, right? <clears throat> yeah, I would I would like to see Christians... Yeah, we definitely had dif differences of opinion on this. I would like to see Christians find a balance between being able to tell the truth mm -hmm. about things and being able to have a loving tone. And I think it's a really tough thing. I think... And I really like Matt Walsh. This is not me slamming him. Matt, if you're, if you're listening to this, I'm not slamming you. I do think, <laughs> though, that... You know, it's hard when you're when you're a talking head and you're writing and and I think Matt Walsh believes what he's writing. I'm just yeah. saying I think that there are ways to say things nicely and there are ways to say things a little bit more tersely that people are going to share and be more interested in because it's said in a way that and I think that he believes it. I'm not, I couldn't say things in that tone because I'd be con more I'd be concerned about what it's conveying to people. Yeah. And, you know, but I do think you have to speak truth. So it's tough. And that's why I said the truth is in the middle. I think that's the wrong way to word it. They were both truthful. But I think that the tone needs to be somewhere in the middle and the content needs to be somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I think I think you're I think you're probably right on that. I, I, I didn't think I didn't personally. And I'm a I'm a known jerk anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But I I, agree, I like Matt's tone in it overall. Again, the headline notwithstanding. I thought his tone was on, and I think where people get overly sensitive, and this isn't a defense of Matt or a critique of Matt, but this is like just how society or people read things, including maybe so, so I might call Jared oversensitive in how he read Matt's piece too, but I think people get super sensitive about these things, and they think that you're being mean when when all you when what you're doing is simply stating truth in fact. They might true. They're, they're, you, Matt might have no, might have had no intentional. Um, quote, bad tone or whatever, but was just saying, if you don't like that two plus two equals four, and I go out and say two plus two equals four, and you're wrong about saying two plus two does not equal four, 
that's not me being mean. That's not me having a wrong tone. That's just me coming out and correcting you. It's like I agree. I now, agree. For instance, although, go ahead. Although, you know, the one thing that Jared did say that I thought we didn't really play it up a lot in the story that we wrote about this, but I thought it was interesting, and I think it's something for everybody to think about, and it creates a problem too. Is that if if it were your mother or your sister or your brother or your uncle who was Bruce Jenner? you know, in, in Matt's case, would you speak differently about the person or the issue? And I think that 90% of people would say, yes, they would. They would be, because they know the person and they have mm -hmm. a personal personal connection to them. But I think when you look at polls on issues like gay marriage, homosexuality, you do see that when people know somebody, they, they tend to support whatever it is so yeah. much more, right? right? So that's the problem it creates for people who are trying to stand on some sort of principle, is that when you know somebody, it definitely sways you. But I do think, you know, we kind of have to approach issues that way. If, if this was my somebody that I knew, how would I address them? And I do yeah. think that's a really important point that Jared made and a question that he had, you know, for right. Matt. I, I, yeah, and I think it's important to understand you're going to most people would do it differently. That doesn't mean that's the right thing to do. Right. This, right. You know, Glenn has been on a big kick about and I'm glad he's 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 gotten to this point about interests versus principles. Right. And your principles don't change. So your interests might. And so. <laughs> Your interest might be to, you know what, I'm going to tone it down a little bit when I'm talking about something that's, that if, if Bruce Jenner were my brother, you know, my actual blood brother, I would maybe speak differently about it than, than if he weren't. Well, that means that you're changing it based on your interest because it makes you uncomfortable for you because it's somebody that you know and you will have to deal with in person sometime, you know, but that doesn't change my principles. So right. I think, no, I I think and, and you know, our, our interests ought to line up with our principles as closely as they can. But I think it's important. I think what Jared pointed out was important. But human nature is to, we say it differently when it's someone that's close to us. And, and because when we say it differently, the reason we say it differently when someone's close to us is, is, isn't just because it's harder for us to deal with them if we weren't handling it differently, but simply because we want to be loving and respectful to the person we are related to or that we are close to. And I think that yeah, that's, I think that's a fair, I think that's a fair point, but I don't think that necessarily means you don't hold up that mirror. So my example to you was, and I think we talked about this offline was I can't get, listen, I'm, I don't find myself an attractive person. And I know that you don't find me attractive, although <laughs> I find you quite dreamy and I enjoy our Skype conversations uh, all the time. I can't get mad. An ugly person such as myself can't get mad at the person holding the mirror. Right now, it's a different if the person, if the mirror holder, if an ugly person is having a mirror held up to them, and this isn't a commentary on Bruce Jenner, because and Matt was talking about society. Matt was holding up a mirror to society, and society got mad at Matt for his tone. Jared got mad at Matt for his tone. Jared and Matt saying, "It's I'm holding a mirror to society, essentially." But the ugly person can't get get mad at the person simply holding up the mirror. Now, if the person holding up the mirror is mocking the ugly person for being ugly, then that's a different thing, right? I don't think Matt was being mocking i think he was pointing out this is where we have some serious issues right i think there were moments in it that felt a little bit like not yeah you know, that that there was a line that was being danced on of, of maybe mockery a little bit you know sure. cross-dressing mental whatever you know i and yes that these, these things are not untrue in people's eyes in certain people's eyes like matt's eyes right? right other people would disagree with it but you know there's there was a i'm not and i'm not slamming matt again but there was a tone of that spicy sort of, you know, I'm going to put this down because I don't want to speak to the bigger issue. Yeah. And I think they had a debate, right, in this whole thing about was was Matt speaking directly to Bruce or was he not? And mm -hmm. I would have argued that 
it was a mix. Mm. <laughs> like, you know, that, but I do think it was more to society. But, you know, you there was a little bit of if, if Bruce Jenner is the subject of it, then, yeah, I mean, to a degree, you're saying, you know, right. for better or for worse, you're wrong, right. which is fine. But yeah, and that's fine. And if you do it with the right tone or or just factually, I mean, again, if, it, if you're simply holding up a mirror, don't get mad at me for hoping up holding up a mirror when you're ugly. When you walk around, it's like John Cruck always said when he was playing baseball. He's an, he's not an attractive man, and I remember, I don't know if it was an SI interview or someplace where he didn't have mirrors in his house, and they asked him why, he said, if you looked like me, would you have mirrors in your house? I believe it was John Cruck. <coughs> and and I it's the same it way. <laughs> we, so society walks around refusing to look in the mirror, and then when someone holds up a mirror to society and society doesn't like what they see, they go after the guy holding the mirror, and I think that that isn't healthy. Well, you know, and I think I think it was a great debate. I think they both made really good points, and... You know, I think that that Matt wa- that Matt was speaking to something that a lot of people are afraid to speak to now because they don't want to be looked at as bigots or horrible or awful. Right. And I think you know, I think that we do have to question these things. I think you know, when you believe in God's design of humanity as male and female, that there that there are very important and serious theological issues there to be discussed. I, I also do think. Christians probably could listen a little bit more to people's experiences, not to agree or to accept, but to actually listen to them to understand why. Because it's really easy to say that person's a mental patient, cross-dressing freak. It's not so easy to try to talk with them and understand it, even if you come away disagreeing still. Right. It also doesn't make the person who's saying it inaccurate, but you have to say it. Right. You know, and maybe right. with a different tone, but it doesn't mean you're not, doesn't mean you're not right. <laughs> I agree. I do agree with you. No, you no, know? I do agree with you. And so, I think that's the issue. Tone was the real mm-hmm. issue in that debate. Anyway, right. well, speaking why of, don't we draw Mohammed? <laughs> speaking, <laughs> speaking of naked cruelty, we're going to deal with some naked cruelty on the other side of this break. We'll be right back. Back to the church boys. So we're back, <clears throat> and uh, we will get to the naked cruelty here in a moment. But um, Billy uh, has been draw- sitting here drawing pictures. Did you periscope these pictures you're drawing? No? <laughs> Billy's been sitting here doodling um, the Prophet uh, Muhammad during honestly, the, during the commercial drawing, break. I'm not, draw, hmm? I, I'm not drawing any Muhammad pictures. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> no, you're lying. I'm watching you here on Skype. You have flashed at least three doodles up on the Skype camera <laughs> while we've been sitting not. here. You have too. I have not. Okay, whatever. The bottom, li- the bottom line is this. I have enjoyed the battle over the past week. I mean, it's very sad that there was a shooting and all that. Luckily, <laughs> nobody but the terrorists uh, yes. were killed. A- amen. Agree. Okay. So, but I've been in- the fallout of mm-hmm. this and the debate has been extremely fascinating and enjoyable especially at fox news where it seems like there's an internal civil war between on-air talent about how <laughs> to handle pamela geller i agree it's, it's right? amazing. like hannity hannity and uh and kelly are on one side right and greta right. and o'reilly are on another side absolutely it's, it's a total civil war i love it and really i think they're both right i think they're all right i, be, I mean you know, we don't have to get into this long discussion about it, but the fact of the matter is, it's America. Get over it. If somebody insults you, suck it up. At right. the same time, if you know maniacs are going to come shoot your event up, maybe you should probably avoid having a contest for $10,000 to draw the best cartoon of Muhammad. <laughs> I mean, like, why are we having this debate? Honestly, everyone's right. Yes. But is it a surprise that it, two 
psychotic extremist targeted a draw cartoon right. Muhammad cartoon contest. I don't know why no. I'm so fired up. And, and here's and I and I agree with you for the most part, but I think you should be able to have the thing without expecting to get shot. I up. agree. I and, agree. And, but that's and, not the world we live in. Right. And no. And but I don't even. I won't even. I don't even accept the argument. That's not the world we live in. It's like the world we live in. This happens. However. I still think you should be able to do it, right? And I mean, I guess you're in the same way. We're saying it differently, but right. No, but I if I tell you, you, if if I tell you, Billy, if you wear a striped shirt to work tomorrow, I'm going to punch you in the nose, and you wear a striped shirt to work tomorrow, and I reach over and punch you in the nose, that doesn't mean it was wrong for you to wear the striped shirt, and I'm not excused in punching you in the nose. But if you walked into the blaze, but you knew it was coming. Naked, God forbid. You know, you'd probably get fired, right? Again, because you again, might have the free if I do that again, do it, but you're not allowed to do it under the blazer. This is a terrible example <laughs> all around. But the point is, <laughs> the point is that you know, I think I think you're right. I I do fall on the free speech side, so I'm not going to go bashing people and slamming them for having these contests. And I do think that the Pamela Gellers of the world are seen as extreme, but their goal. I think it's to try to show that free speech should be allowed. You should be allowed to do these things, and that's why they hold these events. But I, we live in a world where there's hundreds of thousands of radical people who would like to do something like right. this, and so that's the problem. That's that's the part of the. I would not be hosting that contest because it goes right. back to tone. Right. You know, why am I going to go offend people for no reason? Not extremists, but you know, no prophet is allowed to be doodled. Yeah. Under Islamic theology, right. so why but am I going to go? I guess I guess Muslim? part of it is intent. Now, intent should, doesn't really matter when it, I, I don't suppose when it comes to free speech and our defense of free speech, whatever the intent is, you're allowed to do it. I do wonder about the intent of someone like a Pamela Geller and some of the other people there. Is were you there really? I mean, really? If you're purely, if you're honest, if you were to have a one-on-one with God and He's sitting there talking with you, and you have to be honest, you're hooked up to a lie detector. You have to tell the truth. Was your reason? For having the contest, uh, an attempt to really push free speech, or was it to mock Islam because you could? Right, and and, and there, I think I mean, it's the speaker who keynoted that event, and this came up a lot in those interviews. Uh, apparently, according to what was on the news, allegedly said yeah. some pretty anti-Islam things. It wasn't just extremism. That's fine if you want to oppose. And you're Islam, allowed that's to. Fine. Right, right. You're, you're allowed to, and, but you can't walk around and say, and I'm not saying Pamela Gallo is doing this, right. but you can't walk around and say, well, I'm only opposed to extremism if you know your event is a little bit more than just yeah. opposed to you know Islamic extremism. So yeah. I don't know. It's tough, but free speech abounds, and Megyn Kelly, I think, is right. So free, speaking of free speech, let's get into this naked cruelty that I'm about to maybe experience. We'll see. We'll see how it goes here. So there's a story on The Blaze this week, and I think, who wrote it? Liz? You yes, remember? Okay. The Climus. Climus wrote a story. And it's about a woman who parks and it's a well, let me find the headline here because we gotta talk. Okay, so read the it says read the disgusting note a mom says she found in her car. So this woman in England, some I think it's in England. So but it would happen here too. It just happened to get picked up. It has happened but, here. In fact, I did a story on this. So okay, so fair enough. So this woman parks in a handicapped spot gets out she doesn't have tags on her car and she walks into the store she comes back from picking up her kid or coming out of the store or whatever she's parked in this handicapped spot without handicap tags on it and she opens she goes to her car and sees a note on her windshield and there on the note it says quote being fat and ugly doesn't count as disabled park elsewhere are we do, are you periscoping this again of course I'm periscoping well, this hello. again. We've got seven people in our Hello. Audience. Hello. Oh, and Pedro's in. Our friend Pedro's hello. in. 
Who Pedro's there? Of course. Pedro, my buddy. Pedro, como estas? Is he responding? Yeah, he's like, what's up? Hey, what's up, Pedro? So where do I... I can't even remember where we were now. <laughs> Pedro, you've a got me... in a letter. Pedro, you've got me all befuddled and, you know, thrown off my game here. So anyway, so this woman writes a letter. I'm assuming it's a woman. This woman gets a letter that's on her windshield. It says, being fat and ugly doesn't count as disabled. Park elsewhere because she's parked in a handicap spot without handicap tags. Now... The woman does have some disabilities, but she refuses to get a tag because she doesn't want it to be limited by it. She says here, Metcalf said, this woman said, she doesn't claim a disability benefits or have a tag on her car to allow her to park in the handicapped spots because usually she just tries to get on with it. She sucks it up. She has fibromyalgia and it can be, you know, it's, it's related to arthritis and it can be very painful. But here's the question nobody is asking. The person who wrote the letter, were they right? You're awful. <laughs> So, oh, hey, wait a second. Now, time out for just a second. So you're on this Periscope thing. Can they hear us? Because yes. you are you on speakers? You have speakers yeah. playing? Oh, I thought you had it running through your, your earphone. Did you unplug your headphones or something? Oh, you know, they probably can't hear you. So you're like a mime. <laughs> you're such an <laughs> idiot. And you're giving me a hard time about not being able to do technology. And there you are. <laughs> it's totally screwing up people's lives. So anyway, so nobody asked. Is the is the the person who wrote the letter were they right? And what do you think, Bill? William. Um, William. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> Did you just they, drop your phone on your computer? Just, yes. <laughs> um, do um, I think they're right? Well, I first of all, I don't. Again, I mean, there's so much discussion about tone today, right? Like, okay. so Let me much ask about you, tone, okay. and you know, he, being nice to other human beings. She might be fat and ugly. I mean, I don't okay. know. I'm a little bit overweight. Let, let me and, ask you a question. Did you look at the original photos of the woman who got the note on her car in the original story? Because I was so distracted by the giant stilettos on the um, stationery <laughs> that I was not. This piece of stationery, uh, this letter, is made up of giant, two giant stilettos <laughs> with this nasty note above them. Who, what? I've never seen stationery like that in my life. Of course, you get distracted by the flowery, fancy things. You're such a... <laughs> you're, just, you're just a fancy I... lad, Billy Hallowell. So anyway, so this letter is written. And here's here was my thought. People didn't ask, was the woman incorrect? The, or the note writer incorrect? I, I keep saying a woman because I'm looking at the stationery. But whoever wrote the letter, the note, and put it on this person's windshield, being fat and ugly doesn't count as disabled. Were they were they accurate in what they said? It wasn't kind, but were they accurate? And here's the thing. I, I read the story several times, and I looked at all the pictures, and my thought is I would guess that almost 100% of the people who watched this woman get out of her car in a disabled parking spot without disabled tags on it and waddle into walk into the store <laughs> all had the same thought. And the fact is only one person had the balls to write the letter. Well, because they're a jerk. I mean, who writes a letter like that on stiletto heel okay, stationery? Okay, I, I don't. I don't disagree that it's a jerk move to write the letter, but if I'm thinking it, and everybody else is thinking it, why is it so much? I guess taking it a step because, further, writing a letter is is unkind. Right? It's nicer to just leave it to myself. Right? I, under I understand. Sometimes you're, you're doing something okay. that's soul crushing but to somebody who you don't know. Sometimes people are not gifted with self awareness. Right, and sometimes, right. sometimes it's a letter like this that either that either pushes them over the edge for suicide or pushes them over to the edge to improve themselves. So maybe this the person who received this letter should do something to improve themselves. Either 
don't get yourself in this situation again by getting tags. Or get a that, pass. Get tags that let you park there or lose weight or put on makeup or perhaps don't go out in public. You're awful. The bottom line is she should get a tag. She shouldn't be parking in spots right. for Don't, disabled people. Right. She, it doesn't exactly. have a tag. You had, okay. it com- you had it coming. Whether or not I think you're fat and ugly. I don't actually think she's fat and ugly. I mean, I, I don't know the person. But don't. you're inviting this problem when you purposefully go without tags because you don't want to be labeled disabled and you want to just deal with it. Well, you and you go and park in the disabled being spot. disabled if you're not... Right. You, like, you know, she's trying to take a benefit. Bottom line is, it's okay. Go get a tag. If you need a right. tag, if you need a tag, get, get a one. Tag. Right. I don't have a problem with that. Of course, I'm, of course, this is maybe another for another naked cruelty session another time, but I'm not big on. Oh my gosh. Here we go. I'm not big on hand. I'm not big on handicap. I'm not big on. I'm not big on handicap. I'm not big on handicap spots. Hold on. Well, you're awful. That's why, but hold on. The bottom line is, I know for a fact you've parked an expectant mother parking numerous times at Target, so I don't want to hear this. I don't even have to put a pillow in my shirt. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, well, listen, I mean, there are people who, who can benefit from having those spots. Sure so. they can. I could benefit from it, but I don't have but, one. I mean, like, if you're in a wheelchair, it is a little easier to get into the store. Sure and, it is. You know, yeah, I mean. Sure, sure course if you have a motorized wheelchair it'd be easier for it'd be i i should get the benefit because you've got an electronic scooter you're riding around on honestly i mean i'm not sure if you're on the bus to hell or driving it <laughs> it's, the bottom line it's like it's like that seinfeld episode where the guy still on the wheelchair says it's like you almost want to be handicapped <laughs> you are a mess it's terrible um, all right so okay i'm done being cruel because again Open for debate, but if you want to avoid the controversy and you've got a handicap, get the friggin' tags. Stop complaining. When somebody calls you out for parking in a spot without tags, don't be pissed when people call you out for it. It's your fault, not theirs. Anyway, whatever. You're so bitter. <sighs> we should probably take a break. Tell them what's coming up on the other side of this break. Uh, we are going to have one more story for you about uh, gay dads and a baptism. No, and no, then, wrong. And then, and then our wonderful interview with Lydia Lydia. McLaughlin from the Real Housewives so, of Orange County. So now County. all of my notes are for not because I've written down the notes and how we're going and then now you've changed the order of the story. I've so changed the I guess I'm just going to have to deal with it. Just like a fat you person, fat, are. ugly person parking in the wrong spot. I'm just going to oh, have boy. to deal with it. We'll be right back. Oh, the church boys. Man, I hate these guys. So there was a story out of Florida, really sort of interesting on a number of levels, theological debate around baptism and also the debate that a lot of denominations are facing over how to handle homosexuality and gay couples. And so these two gay dads, the bottom line is they wanted to have their kid baptized in the Episcopal Church. They started visiting a church and they met with the dean of the church and the dean said it would be no problem for them to baptize the couple's baby. Now, they have, they have an adopted son. So they, they set it up. They have family come into town. And then they get a phone call from the dean. And the dean says, look, there are a lot of people at this church who don't want this to happen. So I'm not saying we can never do it now. But we've got to cancel it. I know it's in three days. we got to cancel it because there's, there's a little bit of debate going on. And people don't want this to happen. So the church cancels the baptism after greenlighting it. And little baby Jack doesn't get a chance to get baptized. One of his parents, one of his fathers, Rich McCaffrey, 
writes a Facebook post all about this whole entire thing, complaining. And, you know, I don't know the latest developments. I think they actually met on Friday. And there may be a press release that's either out or that's coming out. Um, you know, but ba- but basically the, the Episcopal Church wants to set it right. So I don't know what that's going to look like. What does like that mean? <laughs> so just, wait a second. The Episcopal Church wants to set it right. What does that mean? Because I know the well, Episcopalians are a little, have become a little different from the rest of Christendom. Well, I think, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's the way that it went down. Maybe it's the tone. Maybe they were worried because I don't know. My The bottom line so is, really, is it was baptism. It, was it really congregants that came out? Because that's not what I, I, I don't remember reading that. I, I, well, I, I know that was assumed. Yes. So the, yeah, I mean, the background on it, which we didn't go in too in depth in the story, was that, you know, there were people in the church. And in fact, this is interesting. The dean told the, the parents do it at this later 6 p.m. service because it has a, a more accepting portion of our congregation. Right. So th- there's definitely opposition within the congregation, and they even told them to choose a specific time that would be better that would have a group of people there that might accept it. So, so yes, I mean, this is people within the church, maybe certain church leaders. I mean, the Episcopal Church, PCUSA, these denominations are being ravaged by the debate over gay marriage, and this is the latest example of, of that. It's, but the bigger issue, wait, the bigger issue, right, is baptism. <laughs> you want to get into this infant baptism thing? Is that really where you want to go? I'm going there. I don't think that's where you want to go. I don't think you want to go. I don't think that's where you want to go. I think you're going to get hate mail. People are going to start firebombing the Hallowell home. I'm not going to touch it, but (laughs) I am going to touch it because it's important to know that the father, Rich, was upset that his baby was denied, quote, you know, being able to be a Christian, that by not having the baptism, he was not able to become a Christian because infant baptism is very important to certain denominations. Um, That is a whole theological debate that, you know, most evangelicals would not agree agree with, with. Right. No, I, I agree. I think that the infant baptism thing is a very interesting thing to discuss and debate theologically. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not on the infant baptism train, uh, but whatever. But I thought it was interesting. So here it is, a gay couple that most Christian denominations, churches would say, aren't, what are, what are you doing? Oh, dear. Oh, no. Oh, Billy has run off. Billy's got an emergency. <laughs> I don't know where he went. But they, they talk about... <clears throat> here's the quote from one of the fathers. Baptism, the rite of Christian... Where did he go? <laughs> okay. He's leaving me here. <laughs> he looked like an emergency maybe was happening. All right. Baptism, the rite of Christian... <laughs> Sorry, Billy, look on your face. <laughs> so baptism, the rite of Christian the rite of Christian initiation is a significant moment. Being a gay couple, we knew we wanted to be part of a community. <clears throat> I'm getting texts from Billy. I'm sorry, folks. It's very unprofessional of me. <coughs> Billy just got this sudden panic. <laughs> sudden panic on his face. 
All right. Okay. So this, I don't know. I don't even know <laughs> what my point was other than. <laughs> <clears throat> so Billy will be back in just a minute, but um, <clears throat> this couple that wanted to get, have their son infant, have go through infant baptizing, baptism. <clears throat> was hoping to get their son baptized, a gay couple. And it says, baptizing the rite of, Christ- of Christian initiation is a significant moment. Being a gay couple, still getting texts from Billy, sorry. Being a gay couple, we knew we wanted to be a part of a community that would be open and respectful to our family. <clears throat> After some research, Eric and I felt the Episcopal Church would offer similarities to what we knew of the church growing up. And it could serve as a place in which we could grow spiritually as a family. <clears throat> And I find it interesting that they're very concerned about having their son baptized because it's the, it's what has to be done according to church rules. But when we take a look at lifestyle that doesn't match up with church rules, and I'm not just talking gay couples, but any lifestyle that doesn't really line up with church rules, why are you so worried about doing this special thing over here? Again, if you want, that's what you want for your kid. It's what you want for your kid. I get it. I understand that. But yourself, don't talk about that you have <laughs> Billy's back <laughs> <laughs> oh, welcome, wow. welcome back so um, billy we're still recording we're still live <clears throat> yeah i had a little and i've been laughing <laughs> i've been laughing <laughs> you just had this sudden look of panic on your <laughs> <laughs> panic on your face and i'm trying to continue and it's just an absolute <laughs> mess um Oh, there's I'm lots so of sorry. laughing going on, I'm and back. then they got texts there from Billy. There wasn't time for a remark. I texted you. <laughs> All I get is OMG. <laughs> sorry, one sec, and then and then another line that I won't read on air. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! All right, well I feel a little better. Um, okay, so I think we're just gonna go ahead and <clears throat> we'll just be done with this topic. <laughs> I think I caught. I think I caught your family stomach flu from <laughs> the internet. Man. Oh, the emphysema cough is back. I oh, see. Jeez. Well, you had me going. I'll wait till you hear this recording because I don't even want to. I know. can't even stop laughing. <laughs> so you know what? I think the story stands on so We don't have to give any more commentary on it. We'll just go ahead and let this one slide. We'll just go ahead and flush this one, and we'll just call it good. <laughs> Yeah, we're falling apart. <laughs> falling apart, huh? It wasn't all it was broken and falling apart and oh boy. just a total nightmare and a mess. So <clears throat> we'll wipe up this mess and uh let's go ahead and go on to the next subject. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna while Chris recovers, I'm gonna bring us in to this interview we did, which I actually I love this interview. Yes. We're just we're gonna let it speak for itself and and but I wanna just quickly introduce it. It's Lydia McLaughlin <laughs> McLaughlin. She was on Real Housewives of Orange County for one season, um, which I know when you say Real Housewives, people uh, are probably like tuning out. But this, you need to, you need to hear her. She's, she's great. She's a Christian. She talks about feeling called into the show and then out of the show, and why she did it. And I think it's, it's a great, great, great interview. All right, here we go. It's Billy Hollowell here with the Church Boys, and I have a special guest today. It's Lydia McLaughlin from Real Housewives of Orange County. Well, Woo-hoo! you're no longer on Real Housewives of Orange County, which I want to talk to you about. But, you know, my wife is a huge fan, huge fan of, of the show, and I actually watched the season that you were on. And so really familiar with you and your faith and just your appearance on that show. And 
Um, really excited to chat with you, so thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I love it when I get to talk to somebody that's seen the show and is interested in it and all that good stuff, so it's a, my pleasure. Well, so, all right, let's 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 just dive in, and I want to ask you, obviously, about your new book, because I'm, I'm excited to chat with you about that, but I also want to know, you know, what was it, and I know you've had these questions a million times, but I'm going to torture you with them again. I what, like it. What was it that made you decide in the first place to do Real Housewives? Well, um, I actually talk a lot about that in the book, Beyond Orange County, but um, it was kind of a long process. It wasn't just all of a sudden, you know, yes, I'm going to do it, and I want to do it, and I'm going to go after it and be on a reality show or anything like that. It really um, happened just out of nowhere. One of the producers from the show called and had heard about um, me because of the magazine and um, had worked with some of the Beverly Hills housewives that had also worked with our magazine. So that's how I kind of became on their radar. And I got the phone call, you know, if I would be interested in doing it. And I right away said no. And I kind of laughed out loud and I hung up the phone and I went home and told my husband, you know, I got the craziest phone call today. One of the producers wanted to know if I'd be interested to be a new Real Housewife. And I expected him to laugh and he kind of, you know, did chuckle a little, but he was like, this could be a really cool opportunity. You know, maybe God is going to use you and our family um, through this show. So why don't we pray about it and maybe even meet with them? So <laughs> Were you surprised? Like, were you like, were you surprised by that reaction? From well, your I was. I was, I was. I was encouraged that he, you know, just didn't shut it down and wasn't judgmental about it, but was kind of open to God having maybe using this as like a ministry for us and our family. So, you know, it kind of just planted a seed inside of me. And I was actually going through a Bible study um, about Nehemiah and how he's, you know, lives in the castle and he's the king's right-hand man. And God calls him out of the palace to go build a wall. And I felt like God was telling me, like, I'm calling you out of your comfort zone to go build a wall for me, even though... It's not your, you know, it's not like going to Mexico to build a house for the poor. I'm going to use you through a reality show. And, and so you guys go and you meet with them, obviously. And then what was it that convinced you? What was it sort of that made you say, you know what, at first I sort of laughed about this and now I'm actually going to do it. Was there like a key moment that... Yeah, I mean, the key, well, for me, the key moment was doing my Bible study and like really feeling like God was saying, go build the wall. And then... So that kind of led me to think, like, maybe this is supposed to happen. Maybe this is God. And then we had just moved into a new house, and the girl that lived across the street from me had kids. So I walked over across the street and knocked on her door because I had two small boys, and it was Alexis. She opened the door, and she was like, hi. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you're on The Real Housewives. You're my neighbor. So like, you had, I might wait, be you had already also. been you had already been asked at that point? They had already approached you? They had. I had already been talking to the producers, and then, um, and then, yeah, I found out Alexis was my neighbor. So I was like, <laughs> "Oh my gosh, this is really bizarre." You know, what are the chances of that? And just little things like that kind of kept happening. That I was like, "Maybe I'm supposed to do this." Oh my goodness, this is nuts. Well, that's yeah, that's really weird to have another a cast member on the show living across the street from you after you were asked to do it. That's crazy. Um, and so, you know, let me now that you've had a chance to sort of. I mean, you've obviously been on the season, you saw the season, you're not doing it anymore. Were there any regrets that you had after seeing it 
what and what were some of the feelings that you had walking away having a chance because I know it's one thing to film it right but then when you watch it it's obviously a different dynamic because there's editing and all of that totally totally so I mean I was nervous to do it but once I felt called to do it it was like a, a cool experience and so then when they asked me back for the next season I want, like, I had changed. I wanted to do it. I had gotten, like, a taste of the fame, and it was really fun, and, you know, I felt like I wanted to do it, but I hadn't gotten such a clear conviction from the Lord, and so I was really trying to kind of figure out, you know, why, what my motives were for doing it the second time around, and I just came to the decision that it wasn't right for my family and everything like that, so I decided to walk away. But it was very hard. I think it's like when, um, you know, you feel inside of you like you're supposed to break up with your boyfriend because you guys aren't going to get married. And it's still hard to make break up with him, you know? Right, right. And so, or like you're called to leave your job, but you don't have another job. And so why, you know, taking a leap of faith was really what it was. I felt like God was calling me to do it. And then I definitely felt like the Lord was calling me out of it. And it was hard. It wasn't what I wanted to hear. I wanted to continue to do it, and it was fun, and there were a lot of great things about it. So um, I actually didn't watch the last the season I wasn't on because it was too hard. You know, I missed it. Um, have they come back to you again? Has Bravo approached you again and tried to get you back since? Yeah, you know, I have a great relationship with Bravo. They, I'm still under contract with them, so... I, they read my book and they gave me permission to write the book and I've seen Andy and he, um, you know, I've gone to watch what happens live and, and he invited me to come back again once this next season airs. Um, and I still talk to Gretchen and Alexis and I talk to the production company. So, I mean, who knows, I might work with them again in the future and I'm not, definitely not closing that door. Did you ever feel, and I'm just interested because, you know, Christians, I feel like too often, and I say this as a Christian, don't really go into certain venues because they're, they either feel pushed out or they feel afraid of it. You know, were there moments for you that were difficult where it was sort of like you felt like an outsider or, or was that not the case? No, I definitely felt like an outsider, 100%. I, and I knew going into it that I, you know, they were going to try to make me um, be contradictory and be a hypocrite and all those things. And so you kind of have that playing in the back of your head. I mean, the whole show is based on gossip and drama. And you're saying that you're a Christian. Like, how is that, you know, how are you going to marry those two worlds? So that was definitely, you know, something I had to navigate through. There were totally moments. I mean, in the reunion I was on, you see me getting up and leaving the, the room because there was such a spirit of darkness in that room. I don't know how else to describe it. It was just, um, it was hard to sit there. And that was that was the case a lot of times in, in, while I was filming. It was just, it was a hard, um, it was hard. Um, when you look back at it and you felt that calling to be there and you sort of see how you acted and what you did, um, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, I think, yeah. I think you actually really represented yourself very well on the show. Thanks. Do you, when you look back, do you sort of, you know, do you see a clear path of why, you know, why God called you to it? Do you, do you feel there were, there were really good beneficial things that came out of 
that experience for totally. you and for others? I definitely do. I mean, and, and the book is just such a tangible way. My book, Beyond Orange County, it's filled with scripture and it's filled with, you know, my journey to do Housewives and then my journey to leave it. But also, like, I take it a step further and I want to encourage my fans and friends in, in my faith to um, have a bold faith as well and how my experience can maybe encourage them to be bold. And so that's a huge way I feel like God's used kind of the platform he's given me because of Housewives. And and also, you know, my relationship with the cast and the crew, that was something I didn't expect, but you get to really become close with all the crew members. And they, you know, I love the, the kind of the way of thought, you, you know, speak the gospel and when necessary, use words. And so I just felt like they were in my home and seeing, you know, a functional marriage with my husband and they were seeing our life and Jesus kind of living in the spirit within us. And I hope that that was a witness to them. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm sure that it was. And, you know, what was it that led you to write the book, you know, Beyond Orange County? What was sort of the catalyst for that? It really was just um, organic kind of me and my life. And I had just quit the show and I was feeling pretty lost and like honestly kind of bitter at the Lord. Like I knew he called me to do it and I knew he called me out of it and I didn't understand why. So I kind of was um, just journaling and putting down my thoughts in, in pa- onto paper and that was really um, therapeutic for me. And I started kind of reading it back and realizing this is a powerful story and I want to share it with other people and I believe, you know, I have a story to tell. So that was kind of where the book came from, and I um, shopped it to a lit agent who believed in me and believed in the story and got it out there to a publisher and now hopefully to a lot of a lot of your viewers. Now, walking away from fame, because I think that that's really you know, interesting, You're, and you openly admit that, you know, after you had a taste of the first season, uh, feeling sort of the fame, and there's obviously money involved, and there's, there are a lot of other things that come along with, the, with those two. And, yeah. and a lot of people, I think a lot of Christians, I mean, you look at Hollywood and you look at people who have been on shows like you were on and, and who have been performers in, in other ways, they don't really take that time sometimes to say, hey, is this what God wants me to continue doing? Because once you have that money and that fame, it's hard to walk away from it. What what was, like, take me through a little bit more of that process of just recon, really reconsidering it despite those strong emotions of wanting to do it. Yeah, I mean, I felt... It, it, I really wanted to do it. it. It's it's fun to be famous. You get like the seat at the at the restaurant, and people want to get your picture, and it's flattering, and it's great. And and you know my fans are great, and it's a wonderful kind of experience. And so it's I think a lot of times though you can put your identity in that, and you can kind of start to believe your own hype. And I kind of was seeing a lot of the other housewives that have been on the show for a long time or just seemed really unhappy. And, um, you know, they, they would tell me a lot. Like, I would ask them, you know, you've been doing this a long time. Do you have any advice for me? And they were like, if you don't need the money and you have a funk, like, and you want to protect your family, you should not do this show. <laughs> so the other housewives would say that to you. That's kind of interesting. So, I mean, that would be like, yeah, obviously a red flag. Like, okay, this is kind of intense if they're telling me this. And there were just things, you know, I wanted to have another baby, but I knew it. 
it sounds like it's so fun to be on a reality show, but it is very stressful. The drama that you see is real. And so, you know, I would leave my family for four nights to go to Mexico with these girls and it would be hard. They would be fighting and they would, we would all not be getting along. And then the cameras would go off and you're still not getting along. Like you're, it's, it's real. And you really are in Mexico away from your family and you're with these girls that are all yelling at each other. So that was hard on me. And I knew I wanted to have another baby and I didn't want to wait because my boys were getting older and there are just a lot of different decisions. And so for me, I actually made a list and I could visibly see that a lot of the reasons why I wanted to do this show were just not kingdom based. They were just very temporary reasons, you know, of fame and fortune and and red carpets and kind of fleeting emotions and the reasons to walk away were more um, of eternal value of just like wanting to protect my family wanting to have a baby wanting to protect my marriage and different things like that so I'm not saying that you know I wouldn't do the show again in the future like maybe it was just not the right time for me but I needed to take a step back and really focus again on why I had decided to do the show in the first place and just kind of feed my soul rather than my, you know, worldly kind of appetite. Do you think that, I mean, was there anything when you look back that you're like, gosh, I wish I didn't say or I didn't do that? Of course. Oh my gosh. Yes. And there's so many times after the reunion in particular, cause you don't know like what ammo all the girls are going to have and stuff. So, I mean, yeah, after the reunion, I just, for, I guess, a week, would just stay up and toss and turn thinking of, like, good comebacks I could have had or (laughs) things like that, you know? And even then, I was like, who am I becoming? Like, how am I not sleeping right now? Because I'm thinking of kind of catty things I could have said. Like, this is not who I am, you know? I think it's a power. I mean, I think it's really powerful that you walked away from it because there's really no other reason when they wanted you back for you to walk away from it other than feeling like this is not, which is the most important reason for a Christian, this is not what God would want me to be doing. Yeah, Um, and I think, you know, I think everyone can relate to that. Life in this world is enticing, and there are so many things that we can kind of go after. But what really is important and that has value, you know, those are the things that do last. And of course, there are moments where I've been sad and, and upset, but I can honestly say, like, God has taken me being faithful and, and disciplined in what he's called me to do and just given me so much fruit because of it. Like, getting to talk to you about my faith and my book and things in my you know, relationship with Jesus rather than Tamara and Heather and why they are horrible people. Like that's what, what's transformed. And I feel like so grateful because of that. God's really come through in the end for me. And you mentioned protecting your marriage too. I, I've been saying since I remember when, when Jessica Simpson had her reality show with her husband, her first you know, mm-hmm. husband. And, and after that, you know, the divorce and not that reality shows are always to blame, but it seems like a lot of people or the majority of people who are married going into a reality show end up not being married at some point after. And now, and again, not that I can you know necessarily scientifically link them, but it does seem like it's a strain in a lot of ways on a relationship. Yes. Did you, did you have any of that or were you able to stop the show before that happened? No, I mean, I feel like Doug and I always um, were totally a team and a partnership, and we went in definitely knowing, you know, we wanted to protect our marriage and that that was holy and that we weren't going to sacrifice, you know, a fight on TV for ratings or anything like that. So we definitely um, 
held, I guess, just protection and like over our marriage. But that was so intentional. And I think a lot of times maybe it's so stressful being on a reality show that then you come home and you're with your husband and maybe you take it out on him or you're more short-tempered or whatever it is. And then if on top of that you're fighting on TV and everyone's having their opinions of you, that must be just so traumatic to go through as a marriage that I I definitely think it would it's hard on your marriage, yeah. Well, listen, any final words, anything you'd want people to know about the book, maybe any special you know, parts of the book or just pieces of the experience that we haven't had a chance to talk about that you'd want to share? Sure. I mean, I think for me, just my message is for especially women just to know that who they are and their uniqueness makes them beautiful and to be like content and satisfied in who God's made them to be and therefore like live boldly kind of the adventure God has planned for you. Absolutely. Well, listen, I definitely want to have you back again and I would love to to chat more about this and I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. I'm excited. Thanks for having me. Thanks a lot. And now, back to the church boys. They're a real pain in my So, Billy, here's how amazing that interview was. Now, you know me. You know I have a list of things that I hate. And high up on that list would be reality television. I hate reality television. <laughs> I hate reality TV. Um <clears throat> The fat ca- women, California, California, at- <laughs> reality television, uh, pretend Christians, people who go on TV and say, I'm called to do this. or This is a ministry for me or like the sex box idiot. Um, uh, California people, you know, for the most part, <laughs> women and <laughs> kidding, kidding about, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding about the California thing now, <laughs> <laughs> but that interview kind of I'm like, not that I w- I'm like, you know what? I would go back and watch that season with her. I'm not a chance. There's not a chance I'm going to watch that show because it just looks like I rather I would rather watch paint dry, frankly. Yeah, um, you wouldn't enjoy the show. However, I, mean, I saw that season, but yeah, you would not like it. Of course you did. So here, I, I was really impressed with her, though. I mean, I really liked her. She's one of those people like, yes, she's attractive and she's pretty and all that, but she's actually got, a, it seems to me, like a very nice and genuine personality. Like she's... She is who she says she is and who her family says she is. And I thought that was refreshing to see from anyone in ho- in Hollywood, especially someone doing some sort of house, you know, real housewives show. I thought that that was, thought that was fascinating. I thought the most disturbing part wasn't your suck upness to her, which you did a lot of because that's just what you do. <laughs> and in fact, it wasn't the fact that you watched the show, though that also is quite disturbing. disturbing uh, it's the fact that you were able to refer to other reality TV shows, such as Jessica Simpson's show and, and all these, and these other uh, reality TV shows that you apparently watch willingly. Uh, that I found <laughs> quite disturbing. Um, um, we probably should know, have offered a warning for people. we have another reality show star on, because we are going to have another one. You're just not aware of it yet, coming very soon. That's uh, fine. That's just fine. It's fine. But you and your reality TV show... Makes me just kind of wonder, you know. I don't really like reality TV. You're honestly, now you're li- but I will watch. You do I too. Watch you them. do like reality television. Why do you watch them then? I actually don't watch a lot of them. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think some reality, like Duck Dynasty, for instance, is entertaining. And only part of it's reality, but it's entertaining. Yeah. 
So, okay, so let me ask you this. Now, we weren't planning on going here, but what TV do you watch regularly in the in the Hallowell household? Other than, you can't count kids' shows and kids' movies and things. I'm talking like you and Mrs. Hallowell. Is there, are there shows that you watch regularly? They're like, this is like our favorite show, or we watch this regularly. Um, gosh. Like you watched, you said you sat down and watched the, Bever- the not Beverly Hills, the Real Housewives show, because you, you, you use the excuse that your wife liked it, though I'm not sure that oh, that's yeah, probably Oh, yeah, she does true. like all, she likes a lot of the, <laughs> a lot of those shows. But yeah, I mean, we watch, um, like we just watched Secret, Secrets and Lies, which I really liked. Um, What's that? It was uh, Juliette Lewis and Ryan Phillippe, sort of a mystery around this kid's death, and he was like being pursued by her. She was a detective. Is this a TV it, show? This is a regular, yeah. like a series. Okay. Yeah, yeah, regular series. Um, we have been watching House of Cards, um, although right. we haven't finished the third one. season. Right. It's a little bizarre, some things in there, but um, she's a big Scandal fan, so we'll see parts of Scandal. Okay. Um, but yeah, there, I mean, it's, other than that, I don't have a lot of shows that I regularly watch. All right. Yeah, I'm big into, like, I love sports, so I'll watch baseball and football anytime it's on. That's just where I am, football especially. I'd rather but, watch paintball than, wait, what? I'd rather watch paint dry, I'm going to use your line, than watch baseball on what? TV. I'd rather just, be there. What are you, a commie? Baseball, baseball's so do we boring need, on do TV. Do we need to have a loyalty test for you? It's so boring on TV. You're boring on TV. happening. Nothing's happening. Oh, they hit the ball. Now they're going to pitter-patter around the bases. Anybody who says baseball's boring on television is someone who doesn't understand baseball. And if you don't understand baseball, if you don't understand baseball. Football, basketball are great. If you don't understand baseball, you don't understand America. And that's all I'm saying. Oh, please. Football and baseball. And then I love, do you ever watch Blacklist? Yes, I stopped. I got over it. What? I got over it. It's like, game changer oh, no, last week. Cook someone in a bathtub. No, 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 no. There's way more. To, there's a whole other. There's a whole. There's a storyline that connects all the shows. It's real. I love Blacklist. We don't miss that. My wife loves, and I watch it with her, so I enjoy it. Um, but it's not my first favorite show. But my wife really likes like NCIS and NCIS Los Angeles. It's, it's like she's an 80-year-old woman, you know, 60-year-old woman. <laughs> and after that, you guys catch a little Matlock just to <laughs> cap the night. But she likes those. And so we'll watch. I'll watch those with her. And I can enjoy it. I like Leroy Jethro Gibbs, you know, the guy who played the, the main character on NCIS. Did you know that he is married to uh, the woman who played Mindy on Mork and Mindy? That's his wife. Oh, my god! Not that you care. So Blacklist, NCIS, and what was the other thing? I don't even remember. It doesn't even matter. But it certainly is not reality television. Like, my wife likes... Uh, she still likes that. What's the what's the one where they're on an island or whatever? Is the original? It's the Mark Burnett thing. Oh, Survivor. Survivor. Don't tell Mark this. I'd rather be shot <laughs> than watch that show. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> well, next time he's on our show, we'll have to tell him. Okay, I'll tell him. Uh, would you do you do you dare me to wa- tell him that the next time he's on? Yes, See, I do. Mark. Yeah. I'm not a reality TV guy. I know that's kind of been your wheelhouse when we're making all the money and I appreciate you doing the Bible stuff, but I would rather be shot than watch Survivor. Oh, I'd rather you, you take a, I'd rather you took a you knife are, and just stab helping. me in the neck. <clears throat> all right. I remember I can't remember what else I was going to ask you, but I, I think we're kind of falling apart here. <laughs> and I'm afraid you might have another emergency. <laughs> we don't get off pretty soon. <laughs> stupid. It is stupid. So are you still using your technology incorrectly? Because I see you holding up your phone here. Are you periscoping no, half I'm the conversation again? I'm not. All right. Well, Billy's off to uh, doodle some more drawings of uh, Muhammad. Uh, you've got quite a collection there. Now that's like that's like the seventh and eighth doodles you've shown me. In the Shut last up. 
I'm gonna set up. I'm gonna put out your address so that the in, so that they can come take care of the infidel. <clears throat> You're awful. I know. Any words of wisdom for the people before we sign off? Read your Bible. And the <laughs> such a dummy. <laughs> and the blaze. We'll talk to you later. Bye bye. Church Board.